0: everybody. Welcome to episode 7 of the book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we're sitting here in Connecticut the day after the blizzard of 2017. Woohoo! We survived. We did. And Nico, I... right? Storm oh. Nico? Was that what oh. it was called? See, I don't watch television, so I never know these things. I
1: just watched... Uh, I go to weather.com sometimes. Oh, and it, so. it,
0: it told you the name. I, I did ask
1: a neighbor yesterday
0: why is it not a nor'easter? Like, you know, since I'm new to New England, what's a nor'easter and what's a blizzard? Mm-hmm. And why is this even a blizzard? Because to me, it didn't seem very blizzard-like. And they said, they explained the whole thing about a nor'easter is weather coming up the coast. Mm-hmm. And this was not. This came across the Midwest. Okay. But they said the blizzard had to do with the wind. Right, yeah. And it was incredibly windy yesterday. It was. I mean,
1: you can have a blizzard in three inches, I think. I don't know if there's an inch factor ratioed in there and everything, oh. but like, yeah, blizzard's more about visibility ah. than the amount of snow well um, I spent
0: the whole day yesterday
1: looking at snow going sideways <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it was definitely a blizzard and my neighbor's flower boxes flew off of her front of her mm-hmm. house so but we're
1: here to tell the story we're yes and the good thing about the wind at least up where I live I live more in the woods is that it keeps the snow off the bigger trees so you don't have usually as big a, you know huge branches coming down Uh, crashing about.
0: Well, I was naive. I didn't think the storm was coming because on Wednesday it was almost 60 degrees. It was almost 60, yeah. Right? So I stood by my wood pile and I was like, nah, nah, it's not going to come. It's going to be rain. And then it did come and now my wood is covered in snow. So as my brother said, you made a bit of a rookie mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So now I know. Believe it when they say it. And uh, 50 degrees, you know. It was a 50 degree uh, weather difference because by the time I went to bed last night, it was 10 degrees outside. Yeah,
1: dramatic. There you go. Yeah. All right. So we had a little bit of a follow up to talk about about the whole Miss, Mrs, Ms conversation that's happened because since the last time we recorded, we went to see Hidden Figures. Oh right. Remember that, Laura, Mm -hmm. Emily, and I went to see it, and what was really cool, we went to the early show, like what 11:10 or something, and as we were walking in swarms of middle schoolers were walking out. A whole school took their seventh and eighth grade classes to see uh, hidden figures.
0: Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And we asked the kids as they were leaving, did you like it? And they all seemed very much in favor of the movie. So that was really exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was good. And so there was a a character in there, uh, a white supervisory manager person And then, of course, the African-American characters, the women, were always referred to by their first name. And then they called her Mrs. whatever her name was. And by the end of the movie, the white manager woman called the other character... Mrs. whatever her last name was. I'm sorry. I don't remember. Which was kind of cool because, you know, for like the third week in a row or six weeks, I guess, technically, this issue has been kind of coming up in our reading and in conversations and now in a movie to show, in this case, status, Mm -hmm. equality. Equal status. Yeah. So it's kind of... Yeah, that was... And that happened
0: towards the very end of the movie. Mm -hmm. I think it was the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really... um, a lovely end. I loved that movie. I did too. I'm really yeah. glad we saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's based on, I actually had that in our segment about, um, adventures, but it is based on a book by Margot Lee Shetterly. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wants to read the book, uh, actually did Laura, Laura has it. Did Laura she read has it? it.
1: No, she hasn't started it yet. <laughs> okay. She has a ton of other readings yeah. she's doing, but yeah, it's sitting there. Very good. It's going to get read. Yeah. 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 And I just saw or heard too, that it is, uh, Hidden Figures is up for a Best Picture Mm -hmm. Award, but it's now the highest-grossing film in that category, up for Best Film. Of of, of the 10, up up for the
0: Academy Award. Oh, that's interesting, because there are Mm -hmm. some heavy hitters there, too. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. wonderful. Great film. All right, should we move on to what we've just read? Yeah. I've been busy. Should I start? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I read the book Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur, it was a really short little book. I read it one Saturday morning just in bed before I got out of bed. And it's a book in verse. Rupi Carr is a pretty um, well-known spoken word poet. She has a TED Talk you can look up. Actually, I'll put it, the link to it in the show notes. And she had beautiful line drawings throughout the book as well. And um, I think when I talked about it as one of my upcoming reads... I implied that I thought it was going to be a bit of a downer and actually it was it was more hopeful than I expected. I mean she's someone that suffered um, from a sexual assault but she really she deals with that in her writing in this book but then she also talks about finding love again and healing and so it was more uplifting than I expected and I really enjoyed it.
1: Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur. Good to hear. All right. Uh, what I have just finished, actually just last night, uh, a graphic history. It's called Queer, a graphic history. And it's by Meg John Barker and Julia Sheely. How would you pronounce that? It's S-C-H-E-E-L-E. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was on display at our library. It's a new book. They had it on the young adult hmm. new books, it, which is how they're shelving it as a YA it's definitely not, uh, I think it's great reading for adults, too. If you're interested in queer theory or you want to kind of understand the pronoun issues or pronoun discussions that are going on now about, you know, like she, they, them, them, yeah. yeah. Um, this this might be a helpful book for you. I When I was in graduate school in the 90s, I got into queer theory it was really just starting at that time this book is a great introduction to the thinkers who started the field of queer theory what the major themes are and issues and areas what some of the conflicts are would say feminism Mm -mm. and other theories race often gets left at least early on often got left out of a lot of conversations around queer theory so it's just a great – it's either a great introduction or a great review if you've been away from it for a while and want to get your feedback in. At the very end, they have a, a section for uh, resources for more uh, reading if you're interested in doing that. Everything from you know the more uh, complex, complicated, unreadable queer theory <laughs> to uh, books that are a bit more accessible. And that was one of their intentions in writing this book was to – create an introduction that was more readable for non-academic types mm, perfect yeah because yeah. queer theory it's a theory but it could also be applied to activism in this day and age it's something we all need probably more than ever
0: it seems and i love that they put it in the form of a graphic novel what yeah. a great idea
1: it's really cool so it's, it's kind of fun to see a lot of the theorists there's Foucault, uh mm-hmm. Depicted. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it brings it to life a little bit more. Good book. I totally recommend it. Again, that's Queer, A Graphic History by Meg John Barker and Julia Sheely.
0: Excellent. And good for our library. Totally. That's the Guilford Library? Guilford Library. Yeah, Yeah. and it's from
1: Icon Books. They have a lot of great stuff. They do a lot of um, graphic histories and introductions. I actually have one at home that I didn't put two and two together until I was looking at this. It's Literary Criticism a graphic guide which I picked up because mm. it looked fun and mm-hmm. you know who doesn't like a little literary criticism right. study in their <laughs> reading repertoire <laughs> so um, I picked that up and we'll read it in the future I'm sure. <laughs> Very good
0: nice. The next book I read was Cruel Beautiful World by Carolyn Levitt. Um, the, this is set in the late 60s during the time of the Manson family debacle. Um, and it follows three characters, Lucy, Charlotte, and Iris. Um, let's see. Lucy and Charlotte are sisters, and Iris is their mother slash sister. Yeah. I'm not going to explain that anymore. I don't want to give away too many spoilers. but um, And it's about love. It's also about relationships and um, the different kinds of love relationships we can have, including some that are dominant-related, like... Manson was Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of a parallel with a relationship going on with one of the young girls and a boyfriend that she gets involved with that's much older than her and Mm -hmm. leads to a very unhealthy relationship and an unhealthy outcome it's also about being a teenager and being sisters that are teenagers and having different focuses in your life and different um skill sets, you know, and how you attribute that to your relations with other people. Mm-hmm. And so kind of finding your way um, in the world as a teenager, as we all know, can be a slippery slope. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. I think she's um, a great writer. You know, she, t- she tells a good story. And she actually has 10 books. I, I thought she only had, she had f- just a few books, but she has 10 books. So if you enjoy this book and enjoy her writing... You could have a little, little Carolyn Lovett fanathon and spend some of the rest of the winter with her. So again, "Cruel Beautiful World" by Carolyn Lovett. That's
1: cool. I love that when you find a good book, you enjoy, and then you find out the author has a, a whole yeah. backlist to tackle.
0: There. Yeah, and she was a Booktopia author. I think Booktopia Bellingham, and um, the book that was just out for some reason I couldn't get. So I read one of her older books and really enjoyed it. So. You know, I haven't, I definitely haven't taken a straight path to, towards her writing, but certainly would be happy to pick up more of it. Mm-hmm. You know, this one, I think, was in the new section of our library, which is why it caught my eye. But um, I had read about it, and she lives in the New York area, so I've noticed she has a lot of um, events around, so That's I might cool. try to catch up with her. Nice, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: cool. All right, well, I have a book I stopped mm. listening to. Um, I talked about Something in the Blood the untold story of Bram Stoker right. I was listening to it and it was one of those books I decided it wasn't for me a good lesson because there was so much that I wanted to stop and write down and make note of because I'm really into Bram Stoker mm-hmm. you know because I was thinking like well, what's the difference like I'm enjoying the the writing the narrator is fine like I, I couldn't really identify it first because I just read the or listened to the Shirley Jackson bio Which I loved. I love listening to that. And then I realized, well, what the difference was is I didn't know Jack about Shirley Jackson. Mm. So I think everything I was hearing and listening to was like, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. Whereas listening to the Bram Stoker biography, I'm just like, oh, I want to check that out. Oh, I need to read this. So I'm going to just buy the book and mark it up and put my little sticky flags all over it. Um, And I learned you can return books on Audible. Hmm. Which I didn't know that. I didn't either. I, happened to, I wish I could figure out who said something. Somebody on Twitter said something about it. Sorry hmm. I can't name you and thank you for that. So I returned it. Because I'd only hmm. probably listened to maybe an hour or two at the most. Hmm. And you can just easily return a book on Audible.
0: Huh. That's yeah. interesting. Oh. So I wonder if part of it too is you just feel like you're more of a student of Bram Stoker. Whereas the Shirley Jackson was more just informational and... It was an introduction, and exactly. you don't feel as right. attached, right? Yeah. yeah, right. Well, my next book was Still Life by Louise Penny. Yay. It was the introductory book um, in her series, and I did a listen and a read. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you talk about Audible because I actually, I usually use Overdrive Media, which is, you know, when you get a library audiobook, you use Overdrive Media. But the library, my old library in Ohio Uh oh! Don't tell on me, anybody. I'm still using my my, Ohio library. um, Uses they also offer a service called Hoopla. Hmm. And when I first started using Hoopla, I thought that you had to just stream it, so it wasn't the sort of thing that I'd want to take a walk, you know, and listen to because it would use up a lot of the data on my Mm -hmm. phone. But my friend Deb, when I was visiting her, showed me that you can actually download the books. And Hmm. they, if they have a book available, there must be something with the copyrights with them that. You just get it. You don't have really have to wait for anything that they offer. Mm-hmm. They don't have as wide of a catalog as Overdrive mm-hmm. does. But um, so this book was available. But interestingly, as I was listening to it, it's actually it's like it's the discs. You know, they'll say end of disc one. Oh, interesting. Now starting disc two. And I was like, what? You know, (laughs) I'm listening to the audio. It was very odd. But then the the other part of that is you can't look and see what the chapters are Mm -hmm. and do all of that like you can with a book on Overdrive Media. It's basically it's stop and start.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can go
0: back or forward the 15 seconds, but you can't skip ahead like when i'm so what i was doing with this was doing a read and a listen so i would read in the book and then it was much more difficult to find my place on the audio and vice versa if i was listening it was difficult to find my place in the book yeah so um so that was my only complaint about hoopla i mean i'm not complaining because it's still a great service Mm -hmm. but it was just interesting and you know any of our listeners out there that are librarians maybe you can explain to me or send, shoot us an email, you know, why they would be using that version of an audio, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah,
1: interesting. Yeah, And I'm going to talk about another audio service in the upcoming read section. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it has a lot to do with copyright. Or... Yeah,
0: I'm sure it's the copyright. Mm. Yeah, but it's also like, well, how would a disc... I mean, they had to translate the discs to... MP3 downloadable format, right. so I don't quite. I don't. You know, I'm not a technophobe. Or, no, Techn- I'm not a, a technophile. <laughs> not a technophobe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I am a technophobe. <laughs> anyway, so I don't really understand it. I just push buttons and it works or it doesn't work. But um, so you know, I enjoyed the book. I didn't love it. Right. And, um, you know, but then I was also reminded I'm not a huge mystery reader. So I don't know if that had anything Mm -hmm. to do with it. I definitely liked the place where it it took place. You know, I Mm -hmm. was interested and the characters were interesting. But... The, I was kind of like you know cut to the chase who did it <laughs> you know yeah so yeah, I can see that um, yeah but yeah anyway mm-hmm.
1: still life by Louise Penny so what else did I just read well the March trilogy which I know you just read yeah so we, we can just a jump read. into that yeah, yeah which is not something we do no. usually yeah yeah well, I love March you know we've talked about having issues reading graphic novels in the past I didn't feel really slowed down. Mm -hmm. by anything with that but I just thought it was such a powerful story and I just I really liked the framework of it Mm -hmm. you know by that it wasn't you know complete history it was tying it to the current day Mm -hmm. as well I like that framework of how the story was told I thought that was really effective
0: because it started at basically at in current current day at the inauguration first inauguration of Barack Obama right yeah and then he weaves in the telling of this period of time, mm-hmm. John Lewis of this period of time in his life during the civil rights movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was great too. I I thought um, it was a very interesting mirror to what's happening in current times, mm-hmm. especially with politics. Yeah, and um, I there were I also was surprised. I mean, I realized that I wasn't alive during the civil rights movement. Right, I wasn't born yet. And I think of that period of time in American history, basically as a student who learned about it, you know, and hearing my parents talk about it and stuff. But I think about it as a, a time of great turmoil and unrest in our country, with a lot of deaths, you mm-hmm. know, John F. Kennedy, yeah. Martin Luther King, you know, and etc. More, more Ma- than just Malcolm that, X. yeah, Malcolm yeah. X, um, Robert Kennedy, yeah. you know, and and then the v- the backdrop of the Vietnam War as well, mm-hmm. and the images of the civil rights movement to me were always just so violent you know so it was interesting to read this graphic novel and I admitted to you I think already that I did find myself having to remind myself like stop and look at the pictures you know and um, you know it portrayed violence but in a way that um, wasn't as upsetting you know like I could I could take it because I have a really hard time with violence but it also so that was one part the other part was it really helped me understand that it was a long period of time. It wasn't just like they did a few marches and then good things happened. And the you know they signed the Civil Rights um, Act. Is that the way yeah. to say it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, even the even signing court decrees and laws didn't necessarily change things. It didn't right. necessarily change day to day life. Of course. But, you know, yeah. you're still fighting for that.
0: Yeah. And the other thing that was interesting to me is, um, so there was, so I guess the point of what I'm trying to say is there were, there were also a lot of things that I didn't know that I learned by reading this trilogy. Mm-hmm. And one of them was that John Lewis was a speaker at the march in Washington, yeah. you know, where yeah. Martin Luther King says his, you know, does his, I have I a have dream. dream speech. Yeah. And he was the sixth speaker, I think that mm-hmm. day. And if you'll indulge me, I actually wrote down yes. something that that he read because I thought it was so interesting how it still applies today. So this is um, John Lewis speaking at the, the March on D.C. on August 28, 1963. By and large, American politics is dominated by politicians who build their careers on immoral compromises and ally themselves with open forms of political, economic, and social exploitation. He could be reading that today, Absolutely. you know? Yes. So um, so it, it was, I'm really
1: glad I read it. I am too. Yeah. And one of the things too I liked is how they didn't avoid the controversy. They talked about how like Robert Kennedy was not exactly supportive initially and how he came around and the relationship with Malcolm X mm-hmm. who was at odds seemingly for a while mm-hmm. And how his thought was starting to change on on uh, how to best be an activist before he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I like that. I like that they don't shy away from that. And he, they even mentioned the sexism mm-hmm. that happened within the movement right. and how women were relegated to, you know, what's the best position for a woman? Prone. You know, it's mm-hmm. like oh ha ha, how yeah. funny. Yeah. So they talked about the sexism with that and the homophobia too. Mm-hmm. Which I think is important,
0: right? Because there was
1: someone who wanted they wanted to speak, right? And at was it at the march? Well, it's the man, and this is so bad. I don't remember his name, and I don't have my notes written down. He was the guy who actually organized the march on Washington. And there was the big six at the time were uh, they kind of argued amongst themselves whether or not he would be, the good one to do it because he was considered a political liability because he was gay. Right. Even though he wasn't like gay out in the mainstream, mm-hmm. everybody in the movement and most people knew he was gay. But he ended up organizing it anyway and obviously did a hell of a job.
0: Right, but they were afraid he was gonna distract from the message. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing that the trilogy, I think it made you understand the complexities. I mean, even John Lewis and Martin Luther King had some disagreements, you know? Yeah. So I learned a lot. The other thing, um, and I don't feel prepared to really have a conversation about this because I have no, um, I'm not coming from a base of any knowledge, but it did make me curious about the fact that the Vietnam War began. And so it almost, it's almost like it distracted from the civil rights movement. And Mm -hmm. it made me wonder, had that war not begun Would there have been a little bit more work done and maybe we wouldn't be in the position we're in today, Mm -hmm. you know, that um, I think a lot was, I think there was kind of like a, let's tidy this up. Let's get the act signed. People are, there's a lot of unrest and we've got this war going on. And, you know, I think Johnson got a lot of pressure to sign the bill and, you know, I'm glad it got signed, but I guess I'm just saying as a society, I'm I'm not sure that we didn't get distracted by the war and not continue on the path. You know.
1: Exactly, and it, it's one I think everybody should put on their yeah. list. And Required it's a trilogy, reading. so yeah. there's
0: March, Book One, Two, and Three by John Lewis. Yeah,
1: I wonder yeah. if they'll probably come out with like a combined edition. Don't you think? Is there one I ready? Know.
0: I haven't oh. seen one, but okay. uh, that's a good question.
1: All right, what's yes. going? What's next? I have more that I read, or okay. do you have more, or are you? That I've just read, yeah. I don't. Okay,
0: I've got two more. Actually, well, we okay. have our what, joint read. What is up right? with this? I, I thought know. you were
1: going to be so busy with school reading, and now yeah. you're like a reading machine, <laughs> just chewing it's, up those pages. It's been
0: cold. It's been <laughs> cold and dark. Um, well, this one I got to because it came in as a, um, you know, a, on, uh, what am I trying to say, audio through the library, and it was a pretty short listen. And, you know, I do a lot of walking and cooking, and my dear friends, Deb and Diana, um, for the holidays gave me a, a portable speaker, <laughs> which has changed my life excellent because i used to walk around with my phone in my little bra strap like on my <laughs> shoulder so i could listen but when you're cooking it's like you know trying to do owl ears and listen but now i've got this portable speaker so cool. i can be cooking and frying onions and still hear my book so nice and she's a Life great cook changing. everybody oh
1: i just had okay. a yummy what was it it was a salad it was what was it Curried in? chicken salad Curry chicken salad delish thanks keeping me going for yeah. this recording session <laughs>
0: i love to cook for people <laughs> Um, so I got this book, which I've been really wanting to um, read or listen to, and it's called Hillbilly Elegy, A Memoir of a Family and Culture in Crisis by J.D. Vance. And the audio, he read the audio and uh, he narrated it. He read the audio. <laughs> he narrated um, and it was really good. It, he grew up in Middletown, Ohio, which is a small town 40 miles south of where I was born and raised and mm-hmm. spent the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he refers to it as Appalachia, which is so interesting because that is not a part of Ohio. I think of more southern Ohio as Appalachia. But as he talked about it, I realized, you know, obviously it is. And, you know, my kids both played soccer and basketball and things like that. And we would play, you know, those schools. And um, it is it is there is a southern mentality there and there's also you know unfortunately racism which he did not talk about that at all that's not the point of this book the point of his book was really about how a young boy growing up um who was very much affected by poverty and also by unfortunately the heroin epidemic that is rampant in Mm -hmm. ohio and other parts of the country his mother um, ended up becoming drug addicted. And he had this lovely grandmother and grandfather, Mama and papa, who helped to raise him. And he ended up um, rising above his position and ended up in Yale Law School. He went to Ohio State University, then went to Yale Law School. So he talks a lot about um, social capital and how um, important social capital is, and so how difficult it is for kids who, you know, are um, going to college for the as first time in their family, which mm-hmm. has a I can't think of what I'm trying to say, but he, you know, he was able to go to college, and it wasn't because he had role models for that. Mm-hmm. It was because he was encouraged by different people along the path of his life, and he talks a lot about that, and he talks about getting to Yale Law School and um, being surrounded by people that were raised in a much different way than he was mm-hmm. and the struggles he had with that and I mean, outside of the struggle of just being in law school and having, you know, to be studying all the time. And, yeah. um, and you know, he's, he's been in the limelight a little bit because after the publication of this book, he's on C-SPAN and things like that, um, talking about Trump and the appeal that Trump has in Appalachia. Because he, he grew up in um, southern Ohio and parts of Kentucky as well, because mm-hmm. I think mom and papa lived in Kentucky for a while. And and how come there's a certain um, part of the population that really identifies with Trump, even though, ironically, it's like he's a billionaire and they're poverty-stricken. <sighs> yeah, he lived right? in a,
1: a gold high-rise, right. Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And so he's been on... Um, a lot of talk radio and um, and television. And he, I think I heard an interview with him where he's going to be moving back to Ohio. And he, he currently lives in San Francisco and has a, you know, a great job and makes tons of money, et cetera. But I wouldn't be surprised if he runs for political office. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him at some point, you know, in the future. So I highly recommend it. It was a great listen, really fast. I think it was about seven hours mm-hmm. and um, he did a great job and, I learned a lot by listening to it. Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance.
1: Cool. And then we have another one?
0: Well, we have our joint oh, read. Oh, our joint read. March was an unplanned joint read, but yes. The English Patient by Michael Ondaatje was our joint read. That was
1: a joint read. Are we just going to dive in? I think we should dive in. And you can tell
0: that we're both really enthusiastic. The English Patient. <laughs> Published in 1992, 1992, it won the Mann Booker Prize. Do you want to
1: start? Yeah, I can start? start. So the English patient, <laughs> I had a hard time. I, I got angry at, at one point with the with the writing. I was like, oh, just get on with the story already. I'm, we're not going to go into the plot or anything. No. You all could yeah. look that up if you're interested. But basically, it's it starts with the English patient and a woman. The English patient's a burn victim. He's in bed. He's dying. She's there with him, a nurse taking care of him. She's only 20 at the mm-hmm. time which you know you think she's been a nurse throughout World War II and it's the end of the war the war is pretty much almost ended and she's caring for this person you don't really know why you find out along the way comes a man named Caravaggio Caravaggio an Caravaggio. Italian so he comes along he's an old friend of Hannah the nurse's father then another man comes along uh kip Kip is his name and he's from india originally and had ended up in england uh after joining the war effort and is uh working on like a bomb squad Mm -hmm. current currently go and it's all of them together and so the writing of the book i realized that it's Michael Andage has different voices for the different characters. Mm -hmm. And I realized like the English patient, it was his sections that were annoying the crap out of me. And I just (laughs) thought the 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 writing or his voice, I don't know what what's the best way to say it was just it was so pompous and arrogant Mm and drama drama filled that it it just really got to me. Mm -hmm. And I actually, you know, put the book down and thought, Oh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to read this. And I kind of forced myself to read a bit more. And then there was a different character's voice. It was Kip, actually, who I think is my favorite yeah, character. I enjoyed him. And um, so I really enjoyed <laughs> his sections a mm-hmm. lot more, and, and other characters as well. So in that way, it was, you know, you get the flavor of each character from not only what the story is telling you, but from the actual writing style mm-hmm. uh, when that character's story is being told.
0: Yeah, and I thought, I mean, he, he's a poet, and so his writing's very lyrical, and I usually enjoy books that are written by poets, because I'm also kind of a cut to the chase, you don't have to use that many words, and poets have a tendency to, I mean, they're one way or the other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, so I enjoyed that part of it, and I like when there are different point of views. Yeah. You know, Carolyn Levitt's book was told from three different point of views. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and unusually with this one, too, it was paragraph by paragraph. Like, it took me a little bit to catch that, you mm-hmm. know. And I kind of enjoyed that. I thought, ooh, he's, you
1: know, doing something different. Right, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, and it was 1992 mm-hmm. as well. You think about that. That was couple Decades ago, yeah. and, and how much, um, you know, how different was this book when it came out at the time mm-hmm. than other stories that were maybe more straightforward, consistent voice or, or right. along those lines? Yeah, so yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, go did ahead. You, no, it go looks ahead. like you wanted yeah. to read, that. okay.
1: I, well, I could read it, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> an example of the writing that was annoying me um, this is the English patient talking, and he spent a lot of time in the deserts. Before the war broke out, he was a real student and yeah, student of the desert, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Yeah. And, and all the writings about it and trying to identify places. And so this is him talking. We forgave Bangold everything for the way he wrote about dunes. And then this is a quote now from Bangold. The grooves in the corrugated sand resembled the hollow of the roof of a dog's mouth. End quote. And the English patient says, that was the real Bangold. A man who would put his inquiring hand into the jaws of a dog, and I just thought, oh my God, really? Like you can see the corrugated grooves of a dog's mouth just by the dog yawning, right? But like just so that over dramatic, like putting Very dramatic. his hand in the dog's mouth. Yes. So that was when I just thought, oh, I don't know if I can get through this book, which was like what that was page 126. I just closed it. So that was yeah. like a good chunk of time into it. And then after that, it actually picked up a little bit more. And then I got to kind of mock him in my head when he came up again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, lucky you, because the first time I looked at a page number, it was 15. And oh. I was like, oh, <laughs> i got a way to wait." And then I looked, it was 19. And I was like, you have got to stop looking at the page numbers. I actually, for the first time, I don't use on Goodreads, you can track your reading, you know, like do an update. And right, I did yeah. it with this book because I wanted to see like were making progress you're at 30 percent um I didn't love it but I have to say something interesting happened which is um I went to see a movie it's nominated for best foreign language film um you know and and for the Oscars is nominated and it's called Land of Mine it is not uplifting it is a very difficult movie to watch I want to say that from the get-go It's about, it takes place at the end of World War II, where German soldiers are kept as POWs in Denmark. Mm -hmm. And um, these are children. They are 13, 14-year-old boys, and they're kept as POWs to defuse landmines along the coast of Denmark.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Incredibly difficult movie to watch. Very well made, but incredibly difficult subject matter, obviously. And so what was interesting is then reading the part of the English patient with Kip, whose job was to be diffusing all of these bombs left all around Italy. I, I, I kind of had more of an impression and a feeling for the drama of that, because mm-hmm. I had just watched a movie all about that. Not yeah. taking place in Italy, taking place in Denmark, but right. similar issue. You know, I mean, so many bombs and landmines were yeah. were all, all over europe mm-hmm. after the war yeah you know? and
1: and within the english patient they talk about, well kipp's time in england when he was learning and actually diffusing bombs you know, they talk about how bombs changed that you know different mm-hmm. bomb configura- different configurations were created to trick people who were diffusing them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just it's just the wickedness of war. Yeah. Booby trap booby trapping bombs yeah. and that so even the guy who was the most expert bomb diffuser ends up getting blown up along mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people because it was a huge bomb because of a new technology, a new mm-hmm. technology or configuration, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure what the right word is, yeah. was was made. So yeah. Yeah, it's just vile.
0: Ugh. Well, it was a long war, so the types of bombs changed over the
1: course of yeah. the war too. And then yeah. even like putting bombs in musical instruments. Mm-hmm. That's something that's mentioned too that so when homeowners would come home and open their piano to sit down and play, they'd get their fingers blown off, right. which is just horrific. Yeah. I'm sorry people to be talking about. Yeah. Horrific things like that.
0: Well, it wasn't, I mean, it was, it wasn't a happy book. I thought, and no. this is the thing I have to say, I thought it was a love story.
1: Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. is
0: kind of a love story. Yeah, but like the way Wuthering Heights is a love right. story, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it <laughs> well, was not my kind of love story. Let's just say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think too, like uh, so many people love this book. And other people don't love this book, and I'm wondering if it has to do with what age you are mm. when you read the book, maybe, or what's going on what's in your life. In obviously, your life. that always yeah. impacts things. Because, yeah, yeah I didn't. I, I expected a love story too, and mm. didn't yeah. get that. I, but I, it's amazing, like what he packs into it. I mean, mm-hmm. there are, you know, women's issues in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the race issue mm-hmm. obviously is involved yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well. I can't say I recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't love it, <laughs> and I was really excited at
0: six o'clock this morning when I finished. I was like, "Woohoo! I did it!" And I wasn't. We were supposed to record tomorrow, so yeah. we changed our plans yesterday. So I had to really push through it yeah. last
1: night, yeah. but, which I'm, is probably good. I'm happy to have read it because yeah. it has been. It's as I said, it's been on my TBR for twenty five years, yeah. right? Um, I'm happy to have read it, but wow, it, yeah check glad to have it over yeah (laughs) so
0: yeah so later we're gonna watch the movie Mm -hmm. at least we think we're gonna watch the movie we're gonna start the movie (laughs) we're gonna see see. if we want to finish it (laughs) yeah and then we're gonna um record our thoughts about it so i'm not sure where chris will plug that in to this
1: particular episode but we will
0: be back to report on watching the movie
1: well you know one thing that i'm excited about watching the movie is that colin firth is in the movie Oh, I didn't Which she must that. just have a small role in it. Mm. I'm not really sure. And then also, I saw in the news recently that Kristen Scott Thomas, who's in here, is um, currently directing her first film. Oh. So I wow. don't remember what the film is or anything, but I just said, oh, English Patient. So, And I
0: think the film, well, we can come back to this, but I think it was... Um, out in 1996. Yeah. Yeah. So four so. years after the book came out.
1: Yeah. So English Patient. All right. English so, Patient. Yeah. So Michael
0: Andace. Yep. Yeah. Read it if you dare.
1: <laughs> now we're on to drum roll. Currently reading. Currently
0: reading. Yes. You want to go first? Sure. I'm reading The Little Red Chairs by Edna O'Brien. Who apparently is an incredibly prolific Irish writer who Uh I've never read. Um, This was on the seven day at the library. And I've heard a lot about this book. Um, The blurb on the front is from Philip Roth. And it says, the great Edna O'Brien has written her masterpiece. Which is saying a lot because she's written over 30 books.
1: Yeah. So um,
0: I'm not quite sure what it's about because i'm just about 10 pages in i think there's a stranger that comes to an irish village okay. and okay. i went to ireland a couple years ago and loved it so i'm excited So you to were be... a
1: stranger in an irish village
0: i was a stranger in many irish <laughs> villages because i did a walking trip of oh, ireland cool. yeah
1: nice.
0: so i'm um really excited to step back into ireland cool. via this book
1: I like mm-hmm. her. I, I know I've read one, at least, by her. And I, she's. whenever I come across her, I always think, oh, I want to read more mm-hmm. of her. And actually, around the time I read her is when I read um, Jasmine by Barate Mukherjee, who oh, just passed away. She did. Yeah. yeah. So, I just
0: listened to an interview with her on... They replayed an interview with her on Fresh Air mm-hmm. um, with Terry Gross. And what a lovely
1: woman. Yeah. I yeah. really loved her. I remember yeah. reading that book and just being... In love with her and mm-hmm. the book, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah made me a crush. It,
0: yeah. yeah, well, and Edna O'Brien, she's also a fic- nonfiction writer, and she has a biography of James Joyce and a book um, called Mother Ireland. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to reading that. And then the other upcoming read I have, I'm sorry, current read I have is um, I started on an audio and a read, The City Baker's Guide to Country Living by Louise Miller which I don't know much about, but I've seen it around for many months now, so.
1: Cool. All right, well, I'm currently reading, I'm listening to Macbeth. Mm. It's the Folger Shakespeare Library's dramatic adaptation of it, mm. which is really cool. Yeah. I'm enjoying that. Um, and I had the the Barnes & Noble Shakespeare edition of Macbeth, too. I'm, I have that to kind of read along, because I, I was I was just having a hard time settling down to actually read it. And I was actually going to take it on the train yesterday. We were going into New York. So I thought, okay, there'll be a total of four hours, almost, to just sit and read it. But then our plans got changed because of the storm. So I sat there, and I was trying to read it. And I just couldn't focus. So then I, uh, when I returned, the Bram Stoker bio is one I thought, well, let me look at Macbeth's. back, Macbeth. Macbeth. Thank you. (laughs) Um, and, And so I'm really enjoying that. I'll finish that today. And then I am reading 1984.
0: Ah, that's yes. a very popular book right now. Yes.
1: And that's I, by? Orwell. Orwell. Yeah. Right. I just yeah. started it last night, too. And I read it in high school. I think I mentioned in a past episode. And I, it, I, I remember reading it. You know, like, I'm remembering the story and remembering Ooh. me reading it, which is wow. kind of cool. Because I remember thinking it. That while this is kind of a cool book that he's my teacher's having us read. I'm not sure that I read it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember reading it. It's really good. It's really so applicable to mm-hmm. today's political environment. Yes. yes, Yeah, so really liking it a lot. So next... Recent adventures? Biblio
0: adventures. Yeah. Biblio adventures. Biblio adventures. The only one I had was our trip to see Hidden Figures uh-huh. with Laura, and um, we went to a really early morning matinee, which yeah. was so, fun. Was so I fun. I haven't done that in a long time.
1: Yeah.
0: And again, just to remind people, um, that's a book by Margot Lee Shetterly. And then I was supposed to go, we both had things that got canceled yesterday. Yeah. I was supposed to go to Savoy to see Minjin Lee, um, the author of Pachinko, last night. And mm-hmm. Savoy closed, and they said they're
1: rescheduling that, yeah. so... I, I'm, I'm hoping I can go when that yeah. gets rescheduled. I really yeah. want to read that and listen to, you know, meet her and listen yeah. to the conversation. Yeah, my plan yesterday um, was to see Big River oh. at Encores at the uh, New York City Center. So now we're going on Saturday, and Big River is an adaptation of Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. So right. that is yeah. a Biblio connection there for sure, so... Mm-hmm yeah i'm looking forward to that on saturday excellent we so
0: there was my oldest brother grew up with daniel jenkins and daniel jenkins um when big river first came to broadway that was his big breakout oh, cool. he was the star he was huckleberry finn so that's yellow springs claim to fame yeah. with broadway all right so. it's
1: very cool So then, now we have our upcoming jaunt. We have a joint jaunt yes. coming up uh, next next week. Friday, we'll be yeah, in New York City. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll be there already. You're going for a couple days. I'm just going in for the day. Right. So I'm
0: going in on Thursday to see George Saunders and Colson Whitehead. Um, and George Saunders' new book is called Lincoln in the Bardo. I think. Mm -hmm. And it's his first novel. He's a short story writer, but this is his first novel. And then Colson Whitehead um, has, *The Underground Railroad is his most recent book. And then you'll be joining on Friday. We're going to go to the Morgan Library. Yeah, to see the
1: Emily Dickinson. Well, some people who are going that day haven't been to the Morgan, so everybody will get to do the tour and scope out the library proper and Morgan's office, which is really cool. But then um, the... One of the big draws is the Emily Dickinson exhibit that just opened.
0: Right, and then my aunt Ellen was telling me that there's a, some sort of
1: Swedish exhibit. Yeah, Swedish masters, I think. Yeah, yeah they have multiple exhibits going mm-hmm. on at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. um, like maybe three at a time, I think. They have two big exhibit rooms, oh. and then on the outside wall of one of the exhibit areas, they've had different painting exhibits and some statuary and stuff like that i think great yeah but they have a great bookstore Ooh. and then they have a little cafe dining area excellent so. yeah and
0: then our plan is to head down to the village and we're going to go to lunch and then go to three lives bookstore yeah.
1: i can't wait i've never been yeah. there i'm so
0: excited yeah i've only been once and it's oh. fantastic and then mcnally jackson bookstore yeah I'm so we, we've got we're going to put on our walking shoes yes and um, we will try to post pictures on Twitter and Facebook so you guys can join in some of the fun yeah. as we're, we're doing it. That sounds good. And then I'm hoping, actually, before all of that happens <laughs> next Wednesday, <laughs> to um, run over to R.J. Julia. Brunonia Berry is going to be there. And she wrote um, a book that I really enjoyed called The Lace Reader. Okay. And she has a new book out, which I guess is a return to the world of The Lace Reader, called The Fifth Petal. And it's, it takes place in Salem, Mass, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, the witch trials yeah. and all of that oh, kind of Tuesday stuff. that's Tuesday
1: night, right? Wednesday.
0: Oh, Wednesday. Well, whatever the 15th is. I think that's okay. Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to okay. join me,
1: um... I have class. Oh, that's when right. On Wednesday nights. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm really yeah. enjoying the class. Yeah. It's a DBT class for those of you into psychotherapy, it's um, dialectical behavioral therapy i've been doing reading for that and everything enjoying the class but it is getting in the way of my bookish adventures i was gonna say you know this is the
0: second time you haven't been able to do something i'm not bitter (laughs) no just kidding (laughs) but so we have a you know we had kind of a quiet um past of adventures because of the weather but we've got a bunch of stuff coming up in the in the current week so i'm really looking forward to Mm -hmm. that
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the spring and summer and then the fall. Yeah. Everything is so great. (laughs) So many bookish things to do. Yes. Yes, And we're supposed to, you know, speaking of winter, I love winter. It's usually, well, for most of my life, it's been my favorite season. I just love winter because I love winter activities. I love the intensity of the snow. Mm. And we're supposed to get more snow tonight. That was my whole yeah. point. I'm yes. Saying winter's my favorite season, <laughs> but I love all the seasons really. I I I've only lived in one place where we really didn't have all four seasons, mm. and I, I definitely like to be north enough to experience all four seasons.
0: I like the seasons a lot. Yeah, yeah. I like um, I particularly like winter because it gives me an excuse to read a lot mm-hmm. and to watch movies and just kind of hunker down. And I also feel like. When you get through a winter, you're like, you know, I'm tough. I can do anything. So True. I like that. Yeah. Even though I forgot to bring my wood in, yeah. I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear all the snap, crackle, and popping in the background because there's wet wood in my
1: wood-burning stove. But It happens. Yes, yeah. that's right. So next is our upcoming reads. Yes. Upcoming, I am going to read, and this is going to be a reread read for me. Um, I talked about Carmilla mm-hmm. last episode and about how that might have been the first depiction of a vampire being an aristocratic, upper-class kind of person. And actually, it looks like um, we're going to go further back in time to 1819 for John William Polidari's The Vampire Ooh. And vampire spelled V-A-M-P-Y-R-E. So 1819. And that, um, Lord uh, Rutherven, I can't even read my own handwriting, he is a, quote, a suave British nobleman, and he's mm. the vampire. So that is something I'll be reading. And actually, this is, um, for those of you who don't know about Project Gutenberg, it is an online book catalog where you can download free ebooks and they've been around forever and well forever in internet speak is 1971 which (laughs) is forever in internet (laughs) Uh, but I've been using them for years I mean ever since like dial up in my desktop I've been reading especially classics because it's a great resource for classics and obscure titles from you know anything that copyright has expired on anyway. So is it an, then it becomes an ebook or an audio? An ebook. Okay. They do have an they do I don't know if Gutenberg has an audiobook arm or if they refer you to other places. Okay. But the vampire is available through Project Gutenberg. All right, Dot so we'll org. Put, Yeah, we'll put okay. that in the show notes. And then while searching around on the internet, I also discovered this place called or a resource called librivox.org. L i b r i v o x dot org, and this is okay. Their tagline is an acoustical liberation of books in the public domain, which I love. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's great. So really, they're audiobooks of books that are in the public domain, Fantastic. and the vampires available through them as well, as well as a bunch of other books. Um, and that resource was created in two thousand five by a guy in Montreal. So are you going to try to do a listen and a read on The Vampire? I will, yeah. Because yeah, I'm really think. enjoying that with with Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I'll do it with that, too. Because it's short. Um, mm-hmm. The Vampire, it's technically a short story. Oh, okay. So it's a pretty short thing. But I thought, hey, free audio. Yeah. I, I'm up for that. Sure, that's great. Yeah. So that made me wonder, too. Like, I'm, I'm ex- looking forward to checking this out to see, you know, if they have their own readers who read mm-hmm. for them or, or how that works. Because I've... I've used Overdrive, but the, the thing is for me is like I usually want to read or listen to what I want to listen to when I want to listen to it, mm-hmm. and sometimes when I've done the Overdrive thing and the book comes through finally, it's like, oh, I'm in the middle of two yeah. other things. And, yeah. And I, one thing I realized too, like I'm when I'm listening to audiobooks, I don't listen to podcasts yep. as much. Cause it just gets to be overload for me, too much input. Yeah. And so then for a while, I don't listen to anything because yeah. <laughs> I need to, like, level out again. So um, I'm kind of thinking right now the audio, audible thing is working well for me because it's there when I need it. And then I can still listen to podcasts. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's been working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are definitely times when I don't get to a a book that, you know, I download it on my phone and have the best of intentions and then I don't get to it.
1: Yeah.
0: But a lot, and sometimes it depends on the length of the book. Like to me, when I see when it's seven hours, I'm like, ah, I can listen to that in no time (laughs) at (laughs) (laughs) 1.25.
1: I am reporting into that hoopla. You can do a faster speed. So I was thrilled with that. But you know what? This is kind of a little aside type thing. I just wanted to talk about being like an equal opportunity book buyer. Mm-hmm. Because I had a situation with a friend. She had this really cool backpack. I was like, oh, that is so cool. Where did you get that? And she's like, well, I don't know, but, you know, Barnes Noble. And she was kind of chagrined about it. And I was like, what? She's like, well, I know you're a big indie book person. Mm-hmm. And it's true, I am an indie book person. I love supporting independent bookstores, but I also love Barnes Noble. Mm-hmm. I also buy books from Amazon. Yep. I have a Kindle nowadays. I used to have a Kobo, but mm-hmm. I went to Kindle because it's just, I think, more user-friendly. I have Audible, which is through Amazon. So, like, I just love books, and Mm -hmm. I try to spread the wealth. Mm -hmm. I always try to... And and the thing is, too, I also don't buy as many books as I used to, but I still do try to spread the wealth. Yeah, I think
0: that... We've been talking about um, mentioning this for a while, because I think on one of our earliest episodes, I called Amazon the devil, Mm. which wasn't very generous.
1: Well, and we've (laughs) we've made friends with the devil. Yes,
0: we both have made friends (laughs) with the devil. I, too, have a Kindle. Um, you know, and one of the things I think Amazon did early and did well was their shopping cart system is unbelievable. And, you know, I do think that um, other indie bookstores have, you know, no one is ever going to have the money to compete with the, the techno support that Amazon has, mm-hmm. you know, for building that, that shopping cart system but i think now shopping cart systems for independent bookstores have gotten much better a lot of them also offer that 99 cent shipping yeah so it is easier to shop from a distance from indie bookstores cuz i know a lot of the issue for people is they don't necessarily have independent bookstores close to them mm-hmm. you know i mean i got in my car in 5 minutes i was at breakwater books this morning cuz i needed a box of gift cards and yeah. there i was you know 10 minutes later Back home, having bought, you know, a box of cards and browsed a few books while I was there. So, you know, so that's the other thing that Amazon has provided for people is, you know, if if their independent bookstore unfortunately closed or if they live somewhere where there isn't one, Mm -hmm. you know, they can still get books delivered
1: to their door. Right. I like Amazon for like obscure titles, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. used. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's a good way to find something right at a decent price especially sometimes um older more academic books right there they can you know you can, yeah. yeah i buy my
0: textbooks yeah. that way but i will say that you're also not buying from amazon when you do well that. yeah
1: when it's that you're buying yeah. from an independent seller yeah. right yeah. yeah so it's you know it's a
0: we live in america it's not a monopoly
1: yet <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what though let me tell you because look Emily and I are obviously big um, library users Mm -hmm. as well. There is a really cool Chrome extension called Library Extension that will, if you download that, put it on your Chrome. And I just started using Chrome this year. I've been Firefox forever. Mm -hmm. But Library Extension, what it does is when you go then to search on Amazon or Goodreads or Barnes & Noble, your local library holdings will come up that's fantastic did I talk about this last time no you put it on Facebook I think okay yeah Yeah. so it's a really cool resource and you can have multiple libraries on there and when I first downloaded it and installed it I the Guilford library our local library wasn't listed so I put the second closest library on there which is the Branford Blackstone library which is great and I emailed the developer and just said hey you know my local library's not on here, you know, could you put possibly add it? He wrote me back, like, within hours and said, it's been added. It's all great. Like, yeah. it should automatically update, but if it doesn't, just, you know, reinstall or something. Yeah. I was like, how cool is that? And it's a guy, the guy, I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but he's doing it as a hobby. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. So so that's a good, if you go to look and you don't see your library, mm-hmm. give him
1: an email. Yeah, shoot him an email yeah. and he'll, he'll get it when he can. Yeah, that's Isn't fantastic. Isn't that a neat resource? So that's been very helpful for me too. Mm-hmm. When I'm looking for a book, and I'll usually you know throw a book or an author into Google mm-hmm. and see what comes up. And I would sometimes scroll down below from Amazon. But now mm-hmm. I go to Amazon because mm-hmm. I know whatever comes up, I can see if it's available. Yeah. And my yeah. library just kind of pops up. And it shows you book, ebook, and audiobook holdings, wow. which is cool. And yeah. how many they have. That's great. Like nine copies available yeah. or what have you. Well, and isn't
0: it kind of an FU to Amazon? Because didn't Amazon oh. create an app where that you could go into an independent bookstore and Scan a book and mm-hmm. then it goes to your Amazon cart or something yeah. like that. Amazon yeah,
1: Amazon did some evil things. Like when I was still working at Borders, they did this promotion. If you bought a book from inside of an independent bookstore, you'd get a $5 off coupon or something like that. And that's wow. just so evil. Yeah, that's pretty evil. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. You know, I'm all for good competition, but mm-hmm. I think there's also... I, I think one thing American consumers have kind of lost sight of is respect mm-hmm. for the business owner and what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But then again, you can get really dicey and say, well, Borders wasn't exactly, you know, that was a big international business at the time mm-hmm. and yeah. So um. you have two big international businesses going head to head. But they did employ a ton of local people. Yeah. And you know, talk about a great starting place for people who wanted to be in the book industry. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with local dollars staying in the community you live in and you know, mm-hmm. things like that and improving the community you live in. And just, you know, look, we go to these book events at bookstores and sometimes I buy something when I'm there and sometimes I don't. Right. So it's also like, you know, they need people as Roxanne Cody likes to say, her store is not set design. Right. <laughs> you exactly. know, it's like she needs people to buy things yeah. in order for the store to stay open. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So um, you know, I I appreciate that and I too like to buy from independence as much as I can I don't I'm just not a huge book buyer I buy books more for gifts Mm -hmm. I don't buy books for myself because you know I live in a 500 square foot cottage and already the books are exploding (laughs) so it can get really ugly yeah and I used
1: to feel bad if I went to a book event and didn't buy the book Mm -hmm. but like at at R.J. Julia I don't feel bad Mm because there are other times when I go in when there's no event going on and I walk out with five books right Exactly. you know so it all I think evens out yeah
0: I'm I'm making my way um with a frequent latte card there.
1: Oh, excellent. <laughs> I like to
0: go in and get a latte and browse the books. So <laughs> I always try to buy something. I mean, I know a latte is not keeping their doors open, but mm-hmm. it helps. It
1: adds up. Yeah. I know when yeah. I worked at Borders, you know, we had to keep um, track of the event, uh, what was purchased during events, like mm. category wise. And our cafe always had a bump Mm -hmm. during book events, even if the book itself didn't sell that well, there's always that peripheral spending happening. Sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, let's see. Do you have any other upcoming reads
1: or shall I move on to mine? Another upcoming read? No, I don't really. I mean, my TBR is there and I have two books, actually three books I know I'll be reading soon, but I'll
0: get to them in in the future, yeah. Well, I have some um, that I got through um, the library, so they're on my upcoming reads. One is called Gangsterland, hmm. which is by Todd Goldberg of literary disco fame. Oh, cool. If any of you haven't listened to the podcast Literary Disco, I highly recommend that you do. They've been on a, a bit of a hiatus, so really, I think they have one or two in the last six months, yeah. really. But you could, if you enjoy it, you can go back and listen. I think they have 100 episodes or so. Okay.
1: I think, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And he's a pretty irreverent guy. And um, this is a book that's about gangsters, which is not something I usually read. So I'm interested to know what his writing style mm-hmm. is like. Yeah, and that's
1: interesting. I yeah. look forward to hearing about yeah. that.
0: Yeah. And then the other one is um is a nonfiction, and it's more for my professional uh, future. When I graduate, I want to be building my consultant business. And so I saw this book and it was recommended. It's called Million Dollar Consulting, The Professional's Guide to Growing a Practice by Alan Weiss. So it sounds a little pompous, <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm hoping it has some uh, practical advice. So I'll, get, I'll,
1: I'll let you know
0: how I do with it. Excellent.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we're going to sign off. And when we come back, we'll talk briefly or maybe not so briefly about the movie version Adaptation, I should say, of the English Patient. Right. All right, book cougars, we're back. We just watched the movie, The English Patient. Back at ya. <laughs> three hours, about right. Yeah. No, was it three hours? Yeah. I feel like it's midnight. <laughs> it's not, and it's but I feel. Technically, like... what time? It's eleven.
0: 7-11, Seven eleven. 7-11, 7-11. 7-11. Yeah. Well, we like the book better now that we watch the movie. Yeah, isn't
1: that neat how that happens? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a newfound respect for the book. I love. I enjoyed the movie. I, I have too. to say, yeah, yeah. I think it holds up.
0: Yeah. Well. Definitely, and I looked up and saw that it won Academy Awards for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress for Juliet Binoche, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Costume Design, Original Music Score, and Production Design. Wow.
1: Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. 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 No, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, um, we were talking briefly afterwards, and Emily said, we should be recording this. So, because we started talking about things, differences, because there, there are differences um, from the book. And one of the big things that we talked about is the, kind of the downplaying that, of Kip's relationship with Hannah. I mean, the relationship is there, but they don't... None of Kip's backstory is there. Right. And and in the book, the relationship with Catherine and the English patient is just something that's kind of, like, mentioned in his memories, but the whole movie is about their relationship. Right. For the most part. Right. In Hannah's experience. So um, we were kind of talking about how that could be looked at as if not necessarily a racist interpretation or adaptation, certainly one that privileges the white experience is what we are talking about. Because we should mention that the character of Kip is
0: Indian. Yeah, he's a Sikh. Yeah, Yeah. and so um, he has a relationship with Hannah, and that's really the part of the book that I, I mean, I felt like I experienced that relationship a lot more than I experienced the other.
1: Exactly. But they
0: didn't spend much time on that.
1: Exactly yeah and Kip's whole you know no you don't know uh, if you haven't read the book (laughs) with Kip's background there's a tension with his brother because his brother sees the oppression of the British in India and Kip while he may he doesn't look at it in quite the same way and joins the army in place of his brother who refused to join and ends up in England and and there, in the book, there, there are moments where the racism he experiences is, is depicted, like people don't talk to him in the barracks. As he said, something like people who would listen to his orders or get him whatever he needs during the workday don't talk to him at all in the barracks right. after hours kind of thing. Right. And then we were talking, too, as well as the whole uh, the issue of race within the war itself. What did you? How did that come up? I'm trying I'm to remember sure. now. Well, we were talking about race in the war in World War Two specifically, right. and one of the things that's not mentioned at all in the movie adaptation—that's a big thing in the book—is the bombing of Hiroshima. Oh, right. And that they would never have bombed, the, yeah, a white country. A wha- yeah, yeah using... a country of
0: whites. I should say right. white people. I don't. Yeah. I didn't say that very well. Right. Yeah.
1: Um. You know, but they did. They did Hiroshima, yeah. Nagasaki. They. Drop the big bomb on them, right. and and Kip's point in the book is that they would never do that to a white nation, right. predominantly white nation, right. which you know is something that is discussed mm-hmm. in historical right annals. Yeah,
0: definitely, and I think that's a that's towards the end of the book. Yes, right? yeah, 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 and that's not even discussed at all in the movie.
1: Not at all. Kip's uh, whole situation isn't really discussed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. all in the movie. Yeah, and again, and that is it's privileging the white storyline mm-hmm. more. And another point in the movie, and what was fascinating to have this come up just after reading queer, uh, the graphic, the graphic history. yeah, queer yeah. graphic history. Mm-hmm. So having uh, those interpretive tools like on my mind, there's a scene in the movie, two scenes actually where there's a homosexual relationship that is depicted lovingly at one point, mm-hmm. but then Ralph Fiennes' character kind of turns away from it a little bit and mm-hmm. a little bit disgust. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you can sense that he is not happy with what he just saw. I'm not sure if happy, he's uncomfortable is the word I would use. I wouldn't even say uncomfortable. No, you would say Yeah, unhappy? I would think he, okay. was, he was, he frowned upon it. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. It's hard to...
0: I would. I think in, there's two scenes. I think in the first scene he was surprised. That's the feeling I got. And then in the second scene, I think he was uncomfortable and disgusted.
1: Hmm. See, I take it differently. I think in the maybe in the maybe he was surprised. Like he didn't have a facial look of surprise. It was one of the, more of those things. Like didn't expect to see that. Right. But I'm a, you know, a, a emotion a non-emotional man. So I'm right. not going to show any reaction on my face. But the way it was shot, it was obviously not an ex... Well, okay. So maybe this is what I think, backing up. Okay. I think that scene just set up the issue of homosexuality. Yes, That's I would agree That's pretty with much that. what it did. I would agree it with that. It set that up. And then yeah. in the next scene, they're driving in vehicles, and Ralph Fine's character, the man who plays the English patient, is the passenger, and the driver is a white British man who's having a love affair with one of the... Local guys, local guides, Mm -hmm. and who's sitting on top of the car? Sitting on top of the car (laughs) as it's driving, and he leans over, and the guy feeds him something. And so there's also that. There's Mm -hmm. that issue of this is a a sexual relationship, but the younger man, who was the non-white man, is on top of the car, Mm -hmm. almost being fed like an animal. you could say, yeah, you know. And there's the white man driving the car. Who says to Ralph Fiennes' character, you know, this seems... I I can't remember the line exactly, but that when you find yourself here, this seems natural to him. Because apparently he hadn't expressed his desire, or this was the first time he had male, male desire... But then what happens right after that, well, what happens is that first Ralph Fiennes' character is kind of looking disgusted. Yeah, yeah. But then he softens and realizes that this is okay, and he actually even touches the other man. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, that's so great. At least I thought. Like, oh, mm-hmm. good, that's so great. He's not a homophobe. Right. But then what happens a split second later is a big old accident because the guy <laughs> on top leans down after the guy you know, pounds the car, And he falls off the vehicle, and then the guy turns, and they have this big old accident down a sand dune. Down a sand dune, and and the other cars follow, and it's a big mess. And it's just, I said to Emily, it's like that is the cost of homosexuality in a movie. Like you can't have it depicted without something bad happening. So, and I thought, why did they even bring that in to the movie? Mm -hmm. Because. You know, I just don't understand why yeah. they could have had an accident for any number of reasons. Because I know why the accident happened to set the scene up with the two characters who could be alone together right. for the night.
0: Right. But why did it have to be caused why? by the homosexual exactly. love? You know exactly love love moment together. Yeah. But it wasn't even part of the book, was it? Did no, I, miss it? Okay. I never.
1: No, I didn't catch it. If it was in the book, I. Yeah. So that's why it's even more weird that yeah. they would create a scene right. that makes sense for the movie plot, but why make it a homosexual scene? Yeah. Why not just have a tire blown out or right. or who knows what else?
0: Well, and as a mother, you know, I was watching that scene with a different perspective because my kids used to ask if they could sit on the car, you know, like <laughs> if we were driving down a long driveway or something, and I would say that's ridiculous I would yeah. never let you do that you know so I wanted to say see this is why you don't sit on top of the car as you're
1: driving across the sand dune you yeah, know and you don't lean over it yeah. <laughs> over the window to get a piece of candy from, from the driver, driver. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah anyway that,
1: that was weird that was this an odd fully, scene yeah. I would yeah. love to read some reviews about that or I wonder if their criticisms yeah, uh, from back that. in the day. Yeah. I mean, it came
0: out in '96, so yeah. you'd have to
1: go back and see.
0: Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I thought it was beautifully filmed. Totally. You yeah, know, so gorgeous. I understand. I could see why that. it won all yeah. those
1: awards. Yeah, absolutely. Very sensual.
0: Yeah, bridge. and also back in the day, they used to make movies that were three hours long. Now, if a movie's an hour and a half, everyone's like, "I gotta go. I gotta <laughs> check my phone." Yeah, you know. So, um, so it was kind of nice to just mm-hmm. relax into a long. Story, yeah, you know, and there was more nudity, at least female nudity. Mm-hmm. There was not enough male nudity. There was no male, exactly, male nudity except That's the my one point.
1: like just chests. That was it. Yeah, a, yeah,
0: no, but plenty of scenes with the women yeah. laying naked next to their fully clothed male male parts.
1: Yeah, well, you know you how know. that happens. Yeah, it happens all the time. All the time.
0: <laughs> And the other thing was, Hannah in the book was 20, you know, and yes. Juliette Binoche definitely didn't appear to be 20 and seemed much no, more mature. Yeah. And
1: But from the profi- from her profile, she looked like Julia Roberts, we noticed. She did. <laughs> yes,
0: she did. And I never would have thought the two of them look alike, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was cool. Yeah, so, I mean, it, I had a moment
0: of thinking, I want to reread the book now, which, mm-hmm. which passed quickly, but right. I did have a moment.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and one thing I wanted to say, too, that I forgot to say about the book that, and I was looking for these things in mm-hmm. the in the movie, and I, I didn't write down all of these, but what I was struck by when reading the book is that things become useful in new ways under extreme conditions. And some of the things uh, that were represented with that are that books become stairs. Mm-hmm. She, in one scene, she, there's a stairway that's kind of blown away, and she uses books to recreate the stairs. She uses a crucifix... To make a scarecrow, to keep the birds away from the food she's trying to grow, a thief becomes a spy, mm-hmm. which is really great because mm-hmm. you know they the powers that be see the skills of mm-hmm. a thief and give them official sanction to mm-hmm. be a spy. And then there is a great scene early on when the English patient first crashes, and uh, the local healer uses his feet as a bowl Mm -hmm. so like he puts the bottom of his feet together and cups them to hold liquid in that that way so either if it's an extreme condition of living in the desert or being at war i thought that that was really cool Mm -hmm. and i didn't follow that train all through the book but i'm sure there were a lot more examples of that That, that's a pretty good set of examples
0: though Um, because those took place at different points in the book as well yeah 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 so, so, we get that Ondace was trying to accomplish a lot in the book, yeah, and I think he did,
1: yeah, I think he did, yeah, and I yeah. think I like we were both saying we appreciate the book a lot more, yeah, after seeing the movie with some things that are highlighted more and expanded upon more, maybe, and then other things that were completely left out made us appreciate those parts in the book even more, yeah definitely yeah. yeah good Well, yeah. this is a great uh exercise
0: yeah I've always dreamed of having a, I think I said this to you when we first met of doing a book club that's um reading books that are movies that are about to come out yeah you know and then going to see the movies because I really like to do that and I I never like to see the movie first I always like to read the book first yeah so yeah,
1: that's cool I yeah. generally and well I <laughs> I used to definitely be like that and that's why it's taken me 25 years to, <laughs> to get to this book because it's like no no I want to read the book first right. finally read it but I now so, I guess it depends on the movie mm-hmm. now I'll gladly go see a movie before I read the book mm-hmm. doesn't always work that way sometimes I want to read the book first yeah but I I love adaptations I and do just too. seeing how yeah how they do things differently yeah yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, we should do this again. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to figure out what book to do, to read. Yeah. Is there a book that you have been wanting to read with a movie adaptation?
0: No, I think I thought of this when Brooklyn came to the Madison
1: mm. um, book The Colm mm-hmm.
0: Toybin. Book remember and um, you and I talked about it like, "Oh, let's read Brooklyn and then go to the movie and yeah. then" It didn't happen. Right. It <laughs> <They> did not. <laughs> but yeah. we had the thought. So I think the hard part is, not hard, but, you know, the, it takes planning because you have to mm-hmm. look and see what's coming out. And
1: yeah. Although now
0: that you can stream movies and things like that, you know, it's not as if you have to catch it in the theater. Right. But it'd be fun to do that, I Absolutely, think. Absolutely, yeah. You know, oh, well, yeah. we'll have
1: to look and see. I thought I saw something, like, maybe on Book Riot, or I don't know if it was Publishers Weekly, some mm. book site recently had, like, 2017 movies coming out based on books Ooh, so we should
0: dig that up I mean, yeah totally. yeah all right
1: all right, all right well, everybody well, happy reading happy reading thanks as always for listening
0: yeah and if you're looking for us you can find us on twitter at book cougars facebook at book cougars if you have anything you want to share please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com
1: and if you're listening to us on iTunes and like to leave a review, we'd appreciate it. It helps other people find us. Thanks, everybody. Happy so. reading, everybody. Bye.
0: Wow. Wow.